Cast. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your host today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, our topic will be on the seven mountains of influence and the mountain we will be discussing is education. And our scripture for today is from Psalm 8611. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. All right, here we go. You know, we're in the middle of our series on the seven mountains of influence. And today we're going to be talking about the mountain of education. So the information we are discussing comes from Johnny Enlow's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, Unveiling the Elijah Revolution. And the other book that we'll be covering is Johnny and Elizabeth Enlow's book. That's his wife. And the name of that book is Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. And a quick review of the seven mountains. The first one is media, family, arts and entertainment, economy, religion, education, and government. So we've already done an episode on media and government, and I can honestly say that the more we go through these, the more it resonates deep within me. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Mm-hmm. Yes. It just, is, it just makes sense. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. right. So, you know, for so long, we've been deceived by our enemy, which is Satan, who sits at the top of each one of these mountains. And he doesn't want us to believe that God is good or that he has good plans for us. We've been listening to Satan's lies for so long, and so many people are tired and exhausted from dealing with nothing but negative information that has been pumped into our society. Mm-hmm. And it has turned many people away from God because they don't see or hear any of the good things that God's doing. Right. But the real truth is, he is doing good things. He is a good God. He never meant for us to live this way, but we have allowed Satan to infiltrate every single part of our lives, and now we are fighting to take it all back from him. Mm-hmm. And the good news is, we will. You know, God's assured us through many of his prophets that big changes are coming. He has been preparing many of us, many of his children quietly in the trenches, so to speak, for the new era that has that we've entered into. We will conquer every single mountain of influence and turn it back around for good, for God's glory. And for the mountain of education, God is love displayed as wisdom. Johnny Enlow says, this is the wisdom we were meant to grow in through our education experiences. Wisdom is the understanding of when and how to apply facts, truth, and experiences. In order to become wise, we must encounter the wonder and awe of all God has made and set into motion within a safe environment that allows us the freedom to discover for ourselves that all of it points back to him. God himself, as teacher, convinces us that we are far more important than what he's teaching us. And because we're important, he has important things to teach us. That is exciting. Mm -hmm. So let's learn about the mountain of education. Okay. Education is knowledge or a skill obtained or developed by a learning process. It's original intent, training, and admonition in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Dictionary.com says it is the act or process of imparting or acquiring general knowledge, developing the powers of reasoning and judgment, 
and generally preparing oneself or others intellectually for a mature life. The purpose of education is instruction on how God fits into our worldview. Ooh, I like that. And the premise of education is God is the center of the universe, and we must orbit around who he is and what he requires. Right. Why is this so important? Education is a process of expediting learning, acquiring knowledge, values, and virtue. It contributes to the development of better people around the globe. That would be very important. Yes. (laughs) Very true. It is more of an enduring method in which people gain information, skills, and ethics. There's a narrow line that runs between learning and education. Johnny Enloe describes our education in the West as being hijacked from its original objectives. This mountain has been infiltrated and taken over by forces opposed to those originally intended to be there. I think we can all witness agree that. that. Yeah. 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 Y'all heard all the stuff that's going on in the news about different schools. Yes. I mean, I know in America, and if you're listening to this in another country, I know you guys are dealing with it too. You know, it's just scary. It scary really is. the enemy's done. Yeah. To our schools, to our children. That's right. But we're going to change all that. Yes, we, we sure are. are. <laughs> Taking it back. Most American educational institutions, for example, were meant to serve as places of training and admonition in fear of God. Their instruction was given in the context of a worldview that put God in the center of life as the one around whom we, like I said, we all must orbit. Right. God was the foundation of all areas of learning. Mm -hmm. At one time, the education system of America unapologetically incorporated the Bible prayer to the God of the Bible, and biblical values in every aspect of school life. Mm -hmm. Didn't you just mention that they added that to Texas? They're trying to. They're trying to. They're trying to put the Ten Commandments back in the schools in Texas. Yes, praise God. Which I'm all for that. Yes. Right. And actually have a time of prayer, a period of prayer, and things like that. So we pray that that continues forward. Yes. Yes. I, I even think we had a moment of silence on our announcements, I think, before school, mm-hmm. in public school, right. when you had a time to pray Your to prayer. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I never had that, that. I mean, I grew up in Chicago, so the schools were a lot different up there. But right. we did have the, I did remember seeing in my classroom, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto right. you. Right. Or I don't remember the Ten Commandments being in my school, but I do remember I the golden remember rule. Either. Yeah, I don't either. I remember the Pre- Pledge of Allegiance. I remember that was a mm-hmm. big, big right. thing. Right. We always did the pledge. Yes. And they don't even do that in school. They don't. Wow. For our own country. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lots of things need to be incorporated back. Yep. <laughs> yes. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Not coincidentally, this stem produced a people that produced the most powerful and prosperous nation the earth has ever seen. Right. Now the children of our nation are inundated with liberal ideologies, atheistic teaching, and postmodern principles in our public schools and in most universities including many Christian institutions. Right. Simply put, they are being indoctrinated with often false, biased, and anti-biblical information. A reintroduction of biblical truth and Bible-centric values is the key to renewal and restoration in America's failing educational system. Yep. Whoever educates you has access to your mind and has the power to infiltrate your mind, thoughts, and eventually your actions. Right. The world has so much evil and excessive indulgence in it, and if the word of God and the principles of God are not brought into education, more ungodly people will be raised. This calls for the rise of more Christian teachers, thought leaders, educationalists, and leaders that are spirit-filled and have Bible-centric values to fill up the mountain of education and uphold the crumbling educational system. 
Right. So Johnny goes on to talk about the four oldest learning institutions in the United States that have produced noted presidents and leaders, which are Harvard, William and Mary, Yale, and Princeton. And all four have strayed far from their roots. Right. Harvard's principal donor for its foundation was clergyman John Harvard, and it was formed in 1636. It's the oldest learning institution in America and was established for the purpose of training and releasing into society clergymen and scholars with Puritan values. Its motto is Veritas, or Veritas, which means truth. Seven presidents attended here. Wow. William and Mary, the second oldest, was originally founded as Anglican. Its governors were required to be members of the Church of England and to adhere to its 39 articles. Three presidents were educated here. Mm. Then there's Yale University, was founded by 10 congregational ministers and is the country's third oldest learning institution. Jonathan Edwards, the great theologian, revivalist, and leader of the Great Awakening, attended Yale. Mm -hmm. And Princeton University is the fourth oldest institution in America. Its motto is, under God's power, she flourishes. It was established by Presbyterians and was designed to train Presbyterian ministers. Jonathan Edwards was briefly president of Princeton's right right before he died of smallpox inoculation or vaccine. Mm-hmm. Also, the first public school was formed in 1635 by John Cotton, noted Puritan minister. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't know any of these four I didn't either. universities were grounded in the Christian faith. That strongly. Yes. I did. I, I had heard about Harvard and Yale. I didn't know about William Mary. But, and I didn't know about Princeton, but I knew about Harvard and Yale. And, and just that they started out as like a seminary. Right. And look mm-hmm. how far That's away amazing. that is. Yeah. yeah. They've gotten right. Man, right. Very they're, liberal. They're, in, they're embedded with the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, That's it is. Simple. Yes, it is. I also it's can't All believe- universities, right? A lot of universities are now mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Yes. No, I also can't believe he, that's so unfortunate. He died of the smallpox right. inoculation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very you go to get. I'm sure that's not like a lot of that being very publicized, but they don't talk about it. Yeah, we won't even go down that road. And we got that from Johnny's book, so that's yeah. where he got the research. Right, right. He's the one who's put the research out there, so. Yes. Yeah, these four universities alone are responsible for 18 American presidents, as well as many other leaders around the world. They are at the top of the mountain of education, and they should be leaders on this mountain for kingdom influence. Absolutely. Globally, but instead they are a stronghold of liberalism, which is manifested in a philosophy that displaces God from the center and puts man there instead. Right. Unfortunately, even most of our Christian universities, colleges, and seminaries don't choose and follow a kingdom perspective. Seminaries are often more toxic than liberal institutions because students entering, assuming they'll be learning more of the ways of God, but find a humanistic approach. Yes. After learning of the left-brainism to right-brainism, we have learned that the problem of left-brain domination has affected us in more ways than we can imagine. Johnny mentions it's one of the ultimate strongholds in many arenas of life that has caused the church to see much less of God and his power. Left-brainers are rewarded in society. The exceptions are less than 1% of entertainers, athletes, and artists who make it big. Yeah. And this design is manipulated by principalities and powers. Right. The left brain rules out supernatural answers to anything. 
And the assignment for the Holy Spirit gifted teachers is much more profound than it appears. Right. You go into detail about this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to talk more about yeah. the left and right brain. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So we don't just need teachers out there in the world to be an available Christian influence. We don't need people who will just stand for creationism and the Ten Commandments. The whole system needs to be rewired. Yes, it does. And it is wrongly wired through its obsession with left brain curriculum. The left brain is conditioned by Beelzebub, the prince of Greece, to reject the creator of God. Yeah. And the left brain rules out supernatural answers to anything, like I said. Mm-hmm. Some examples in the Bible of supernatural answers we know would be like the parting of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. The walking around the walls of Jericho. Yep, until mm-hmm. the walls fell. Yep. Feeding the 5,000. Mm-hmm. Right. Walking on water. Mm-hmm. Abraham and Sarah conceiving a child at their old age. Right. Burning bush and turning water into wine. Thank you, yep. Jesus. Yes. Those are supernatural answers. Right. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've been through this teacher training college, and I taught in the public school system in Florida and New York. And even a teacher's education is never finished. Teachers have to stay updated on new concepts and theories as society goes through changes. Right, right. And the last time I was in the system trying to get my master's, they were changing the entire curriculum in the schools to core curriculum. And teachers, many of my friends, were having to jump through loopholes to stay updated and make these huge professional portfolios to have on file, as well as, you know, trying to have a family and teaching along with fulfilling extra school duties required by administration, mm-hmm. like hall duty or, you know. This was extremely time-consuming, yeah. and, you know, it's just... I can't even imagine what it's like to be a teacher right now. You know, my daughter-in-law is a teacher, and she doesn't talk a lot about all the different schooling that she's that you have to constantly go through, but I just can't even imagine with the way that the change, the way that things have changed with parents and with the shootings and with all the yeah, you have to be constantly and all that learning new things all the time and always shifting and you're always having to make sure you're not stepping on toes and you got your the children that are just not. Well, then you have to deal with parents, right? right. The parents, you know? the, the kids aren't being raised the right way, and they and those those kids come into that school and they disrupt, and and then you've got parents. I just can't even imagine. I can't even imagine how difficult it is. Well, like one of my biggest, you know, issues in working in special education was the parents. Yes, you know, and that was the hardest part. Sometimes parents are worse. The kids, than kids were fine. It was yeah. the kids, the parents yeah. had to deal with. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but with the curriculum too, you know, they're. It's like it cycles in a right. circle. So when they mm-hmm. pick something new to just change the all the curriculum, mm-hmm. right. it ends up you eventually have to redo coming. everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's you know I even when I was doing my masters, it was about with Spanish, right? right. And so Florida has a lot of Spanish. You know, all the Walmart's bathrooms are in Spanish. Like right. there's a lot of culture. Okay. In upstate New York, there's no. Very pa- little, yeah. Parents don't understand why anyone has to learn a foreign language. Right. In a country area, you right. know. But in that case, I was, I needed to get my master's to um, to get tenured. You know, right. there was a right. goal in mind to right. do it. But in that area, that I didn't even, I wasn't even really interested in the master's that I was assigned mm-hmm. to get. You just had to do it. I just yes, had to do it. Required, right. right. Yeah. I, I mean, I could pick among a few, but like I really wanted something with culture in, that I right. could get in Florida. I just wasn't mm-hmm. living there at the time. So yeah. I'm saying it also, it also forces you into a corner where you're mm-hmm. studying something 
it's a lot of extra work because you right. don't enjoy it. You mm-hmm. know? But anyway, it's a lot. It, just, it is. It seems like it's a lot. It is. So, you know, back to this mountain of education, God's going to raise up a new breed of Elijah revolutionaries, warriors to invade the mountain of education, on fire, passionate, Holy Spirit filled teachers who are gifted and empowered will give education an extreme makeover. That's what we need. Yes. That's what we need to be headed, right? We don't need teachers who are logical, analytical, and inexperienced in the things of the Spirit. I mean, take, for example, the movie Jesus Revolution, right? Many of the people being saved were addicted to drugs, whether they be hallucinogens or psychedelic or what have you. I haven't seen that movie yet, but I've heard it's good. Have you all seen it? It is really, it's really good. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch it. Let's go see it. Yes. These people are in search of the supernatural. And once they experience the supernatural God, they turn from the emptiness of what they were serving, like drugs or, you know, mm-hmm. they were whatever they were using to fill that void. Right. Right. Yeah. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. We need teachers either to get a baptism in the fire or be replaced by those who better represent the kingdom of God. These new revolutionaries will develop new curricula that will be attractive and insightful even to the secular world, which is now beginning to admit that the present system stifles creativity. Yes. Sure does. So we need teachers, lovers of children, pastors as principals. There's a significant overlap with Family Mountain. Right counselors, career and emotional, curriculum writers, financiers of new school models and curriculum, janitors, coaches, art instructors, tutors, intercessors, etc. Everybody's that got a position in school needs to be filled with the spirit of the Lord. Right. Yes. And these are our kids that are going to be raised for the next generation. Yeah. Right. Things will go a lot smoother. (laughs) The new school system will be a change from left brain to right brain and kids will enjoy it much more than the left brain model. Right. And because calling out the creative side of children will surface genius gifting in many of them. Mm-hmm. Kids' appetite for the supernatural is already insatiable. Yes. We see this how, in how they flock to video games, right. movies, right. TV shows, and with, all with supernatural themes, and social media with supernatural themes. It's the way God has wired this generation. He's prepared them for expecting the miraculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. There are already a very few, very young generation rising who are praying outwardly, prophesying, healing other people, even other kids. An example would be Bethel Church in Redding, California. They're training modern day prophets and healers. The Bethel School of Ministry is at the forefront of a flourishing, increasing, growing, decidedly youthful, evangelical Christian revival. Yes. The school, which is unaccredited and does not confer degrees, sends students into Reading and across the globe, armed with training on how to speak God's word, heal the sickness, and use the supernatural to win souls. It's so cool and wonderful to see this going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I you agree. Know? We need more. Yeah. We need more of it. Chani goes on to say, if we don't prophesy, 
they'll turn to psychic networks. Right. If we don't heal, they'll seek out witch doctors with miracle cures. If we don't lead them to the presence of God, they'll find something else. New age, drugs, music, Harry Potter, or anything else to stimulate their otherwise lifeless heart. Right. Mm-hmm. If we don't give them the, re- the real, they will go to the counterfeit. Every time. Yep. One way or another, this generation will escape the left brain deadness of our culture. Right. The way God has preconditioned this generation makes it ripe and ready for an extreme makeover. Yeah. Here are the different levels of the mountain of education. The top of this mountain, as with others, influences millions and is the part we have specifically been given grace to target. We need to displace Beelzebub and his humanistic Amorites and will establish a foundation of God-centered news on the peak. The institutions I talked about, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, and William and Mary, among others, now occupy the top. Imagine what impact they would have on other schools of learning if they had an extreme makeovers and based on their origin, which was to reach nations, to teach righteous curriculum, to establish national policy on many fronts, and to raise godly leaders for nations. Right. Lower down the mountain, we need to fill teaching positions with Elijah revolutionaries who can begin to infiltrate an extreme makeover. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. It says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's right. And for the sake of future generations, we must and will take this mountain. First, a child needs to be trained up in the way he or she should go. What he feels isn't valid because there are influences and behavior that need to be eliminated and filled up with instruction from God. Yes. Second, this training will guide the child when they are older. That's why education is so important. Yeah. Psalm 78, 5 through 6 says, He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. You know, I want to say real quick, you know, you're talking about teaching the children when they're younger. But, you know, the really cool thing about God is, is even as adults, we never stop learning. That's true. No, He's always very true. Us. That's what he wants. He right. wants us to continue to 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 move forward and advance and progress and, and just learn all that we can because there's so much that he wants to teach us yes. mm-hmm. because he loves us. The more knowledge we have, the more wisdom we have, the easier life is, the freedom that we experience. And, and he gives us ideas and things to help advance his kingdom. Yeah. Right? right? It's just, he's yes. just so cool. And the more we know, the more we realize we don't know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much more. Yes. But God a, always leads us to the right answers. Yes. Yes, that's good. Yes. Mm-hmm. God commanded that the stories of his mighty acts in Israel's history and his laws be passed on from parents as teachers to children. It's important to keep children from repeating the same mistakes as their ancestors. Right. You know, in securing the mountain of education, the gift of teaching is really important. Yeah. It you is. know, there's a great need for Holy Spirit empowered teachers as opposed to secularly you know, confirmed teachers. Right. The biblical role of a teacher is to instruct in the ways of the Lord. So the gifting empowers teachers to break down those lies of the enemy that came to this mountain. You know, we're in much greater need of having teachers in the education system than we are of having them in church. Right. You know, but just having gifted teachers throughout the system isn't enough. We need to overhaul the certification system and the curriculum as well. That's the curriculum. Right. The material that we're teaching. Right. (laughs) 
You know, all Satan has to do is to get us to buy into one philosophical lie, and then he can take captive the entire mountain. You know, right now through Beelzebub and the Amorites, he has us living and experiencing education through a left brain grid, like Susan was talking about. You know, we're all born with a right or left brain processor, or both. Right. And so left and right sides of our brains process things differently. So the left brain is verbal and processes information analytically and sequentially. Right. So a left brain processes thoughts like step by step. And this side of our brain is highly organized, like making lists or planning and rules and keeping time. Whereas the left brain enjoys observing it is logical and sequential, rational, analytical, and objective. Yes. But then our right brain, however, is visual and processes information intuitively and simultaneously. So it first looks like, you know, a a person with a right brain would look at the whole picture, and then they're going to look at the details. The right brain is the creative processor, while the left brain is robotic, you know, in accessing whatever is fed into it. That's interesting. Yeah. So the right brain processes all at once. Pictures in the mind are key memories. You know, the right brain is not highly organized, but it is organic in that it responds by free association. Right. You know, it likes to know the why of things. It's not sensitive to the issue of time, which that's my problem in the past. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned to overcome that with my left brain. (laughs) You know, like... um, couple examples of just, you know, understanding. Like my son, Jake, when he was younger, he was in Bible drills at church. And so, you know, he'd have to be memorizing all this scripture, right? Which is very left brain. Right. But he got to this one verse, and it was Malachi 3.10, which is a long verse right. for a little guy. Right. You know, I think he was in fourth grade. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I would sit with him and I'd go, okay, Jake, tell me the verse, you know, Malachi 3.10, what is it, you know? And he just kept stumbling and stumbling over that verse. And I said, Jake, let me ask you, do you know what that verse means? And he's like, no. (laughs) And so I explained to him what the process of tithe is. You know, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that all, you know. And and we go through the whole verse, and I'm breaking it down for him piece by piece so he understands what mom and dad do when we give our tithe to the church. What the 10% means. That's really God's money. It's not ours, Jake, you know. And so I explained it all to him. And once I explained it to him and he understood what it meant, then I said, let's go back and now. Let's see if you memorize the verse. And he rattled it right off. Right. All because Uh I explained. You're attached to description to it and it just makes more sense. And it gave him a picture in his mind. Just like a right brain person needs a picture, a visualization. And so that's, you know. I'm very right brain, but I'm also left brain, so yeah. it's it's kind of crazy. But I'm very visual as a learner, so if I see a picture, I could do it. Right, you know, like trying to put something together mechanically or whatever. Right. If I see a video, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting because if I heard a, if I was going to learn a new song on the piano, mm-hmm. yeah, and just started out by looking at the music, mm-hmm. I, it would take me a little bit. But if I heard the song. Yes. First. Yes. I, I, I breeze right through learning it. Right. Auditorial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. And, you know, there's different types of learners. You're auditorial, you're visual, right. you know, there's, what's the other one? It's aesthetic or something like that, where you, you hands need to, on. hands, yeah, you need to touch it, you need to right. see it, you need to feel it, you know, it's more manipulate, you gotta, like Play-Doh, you gotta shape it and mold it with your hands and really get it right. into you. So, but there's mm-hmm. lots of different types of learners. 
I remember when I was working in special education, I uh, would try and help the kids like they'd have a whole list of words that they had to memorize for either chemistry or whatever. And I'd say, let me show you a trick I learned, you know, and I would take I, I would make an acronym of like the very first letter of each word that they had to memorize. And I would take all those letters and I'd make some kind of a goofy word, you know, a crazy word out of that list. And then we'd, we'd remember the word. Well, what's the word we want to remember? And they'd say, oh, yeah, it's this. And then I go, okay, so now break it up. What's the first letter? So then they'd remember their list. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. So make it an acronym, help them to remember, memorize, like, say, a list of, you know, whatever, 25, 50 words, you know, or whatever. That's but great. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just different ways that and techniques that I learned for myself. Right. And then I come to find out, you know, later on in special education, that's taught now that they're teaching you to right. do that. Those pictures. You right. Picture that stuff in your mind. Yeah. You know, so, you know, right brain person enjoys participating, touching, feeling. It right. loves, they love metaphors or analogies, role playing, visuals, like I said. And, you know, it can be subjective and random. Right. You know, the right brain listens to how something is said aiding our visual inflection and mannerisms. You know, sometimes when we're we're trying to remember words or something and Kathy and Susan have a hard time, you know, (laughs) pronouncing that word, I'll say it with inflection in my voice so they remember how to say the word. She does. She's good at it. (laughs) That's good vocal inflection. That's why I worked in special education. (laughs) So, you know, when children enter schools, they are predominantly right-brained processors and thinkers, like we said. It doesn't take long, though, for our educational system, however you know, to dramatically change that. And after just a couple of years of formal education, did you know more than 90% of the children are left brain dominant? I didn't know. Wow. And, you know, by the time they graduate high school, more than 98% of the kids are firmly left brain dominant. Wow. I was not one of them. (laughs) They did not make me conform. (laughs) You know, the further they go into education, the more left brain dominant they become. Right. You know, because when you take IQ tests, it measures left brain skills. Our educational system measures intelligence almost entirely by the proficiency of the left brain. Wow. Our educational system is toxic to the right brain processor, causing it to switch from, you know, our natural right brainism to left brainism. And the problem is, is that when one side of the brain is stimulated and conditioned to be dominant, invariably, it really strong arms the weaker side into submission. Right. So like traditionally, women in particular are wired in such a way that they have a hard time squelching that right brain you know, input that we have. So like a woman may have a feeling about something or or someone, like intuition, right? Mm-hmm. And it will drive their husband crazy because he's left-brained. <laughs> right. And he's like, how do you know that, right? <laughs> because he considers intuition inferior, you know, brain power when it's actually the perfectly natural function of the other half of the brain. Right. It's su- in suppressing the right brain, a goal of the demonic principality, has also been to suppress women by demeaning their mental, you know, capabilities. Wow. And so I have wow. felt that oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that personally. Yeah. So what's wrong with the left brain dominance? If you don't understand all the extended implications of how you're trained to think, you may not see the, what the problem well, is. Of course not. Yeah. So when we've been trained to think only one way, we have a hard time seeing things or changing our thinking or our mindset in a new direction. Right. So when Jesus entered the picture in the New Testament days, the Israelites were under the dominance of the Roman rule. 
and were already becoming very Greek in their thinking. Right. And they were taught to only think one way, and that way was more in line with logic and religious rules and order. So then Jesus shows up with a whole new way of thinking and blows their Greek minds out of the, wa- you know, out of the water. So, for example, he might say, you've been taught that one plus one equals two, or two plus two equals four. But I'll show you that one can put a thousand to flight and two thousand or two can chase ten thousand. I love that. According to the scriptures, wow, you know. God, that's so that's so awesome. That's well, so I remember awesome. he shows up with the blessing and the miracle of the feeding of the five thousand, right? right? So he had he took two fish and five loaves of bread and he fed how many? Five thousand. Well, that doesn't equate to a left brain person, right? right? Right. And there was even more left over of baskets that were left over. And then, of course, that lines up scripturally to something, another point. Everything Jesus did was perfect. Yes. And it had meaning to it, right. even the the amount that was left over. Yes. You know? <laughs> so I'm going to, he says, I'm going to cause a blind man to see by spitting in dirt and rubbing mud in his eye. Right. I'm going to heal a paralytic man by telling him his sins are forgiven. I'm going to defy the laws of physics and walk on the water. You know, that wow. blew their minds. Yes. That is not following the science. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also teach you the philosophical opposite of what you've been instructed. I'll tell you that if you want to be great, you must become nothing. Yes. And if you want to live, you must die. Oh, my gosh. Yes. If you want to go up, you must come down. Right. I'll tell you that the invisible realm is more real than the physical realm. Right. Yes. So he tells them they must change their way of thinking and their mindset or they'll never get what he's talking about. That's so good. Because that requires what? Right brain thinking. Yes. You know, Johnny points out that the left brain thinking, when it becomes dominant, squeezes out the things of the Spirit of God. The right brain isn't the kingdom of God, but it is part of the brain that God has created to be open and respond to his ways. It's the chimney through which faith is accessed. Right. So you can't do that with the left brain. And you can quote all the scriptures on faith and understand the logic of faith, but only the right brain can tap into the actual substance of faith, which is a huge deal because Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's right. Right? So nearly everything Jesus said pulled on the right brain. His principles were upside down for Greek thought. His power baffled Greek computations. He switched his power techniques, which was confusing, to the logic thinking minds you know i want to stop you right right there because i'm I'm thinking that think about when jesus was here did they even talk about right brain and left brainism no they (laughs) didn't even know about the scientists right it's so amazing to me that that even back then you know of course god knows what he's doing but you know he engaged that he made you engage that that part of your head your your head your mind your Mm -hmm. brain right it's because he god knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. he knew what we needed Mm-hmm. Yes, it defies logic, right? You're just thinking that doesn't logically make sense. Why is he talking that way? Why is he doing that? Mm-hmm. Right. God knows it's a mystery. Yeah, and you've got to figure it out by right. using your right brain. That's right. <laughs> right. So cool. Yeah, and you know Jesus never even did you know two recorded miracles the same way. Right. Uh, he he usually spoke in parables, like word pictures that appeal to the right brain. Right. In fact, all of his descriptions of the kingdom of God were pictures, stories, or metaphors. Yeah. And we're all made in God's image, and we're wired to respond to the logic of heaven. Right. We yearn for the supernatural, right. for the invisible, mm-hmm. for the impossible to become possible. We even blinded, we're even blinded to our own true heart's desires by being indoctrinated in skepticism and doubt and unbelief. Yeah. I mean, that's 
our condition when the left brain becomes dominant. Instead of submitting the, you know, the right brain to the left brain rationalism, we were created to submit the left brain to the right brain perceptions. And because the mountain of education is so large, it must be approached in many different ways. So intercessors, for instance, need to invade this mountain by filling that mountain with their prayers. Yes. Prophets need to invade by speaking and releasing the future for this mountain. Right. Apostles need to camp outside the spiritual walls of Harvard and Yale and Princeton and what was the other one? Mary? William and Mary. William and Mary, right. And just offer prayers and worship until those walls crumble down like Jericho. Mm -hmm. You know, it involves both the removal of something old and the establishment of something new. Spiritual forces have to be defeated and their pawns, whether people or institutions, must either be converted or they need to be removed. So the main point is to remember that this is a spiritual battle. So prayer must proceed and accompany whatever strategy God gives Prayer must be right brain driven. This strategy may or may not be very logical to the left brain, but the right brain says, if God says to do it, it will have powerful consequences. Awesome. And, you know, targeting the top of the mountain of like the institutions such as Harvard and Princeton and Yale and is central to this action strategy. We need intentional groups of Elijah revolutionaries to band together and penetrate into these schools by attending them as their mission from God. Right. We're on a mission from God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little spark. <laughs> yeah. Little sparks in these schools will create great fires. Taking over this mountain does not imply imposing religion on anyone. It simply creates a level playing field that allows the Christian belief in God to compete with other religions. And if we present the true gospel of Jesus, he will be so attractive that he will draw all men to himself. You know, Laura, back when you were talking about Jesus, he never did a miracle the same way. Right. And it just makes me think of that left brainism today where people look for a formula to do the miracle. Like they say, oh, what was... Where was Jesus standing in the dirt? Maybe if I stand in that same spot, mm-hmm. I can create the miracle. Mm-hmm. Or what shirt was he wearing? Or right, you know, maybe if I grew my hair out to look just like his, or maybe it's if a, you know, if I spit in somebody's eyes, you know, yeah, right. People think that like that, right? Because yeah. if I do this like he did it, then it works this way, right? But God doesn't work that way. No, God is miraculous and He's supernatural. And he's always going to keep you guessing. And there's always got to be an element of faith involved. Right. It's faith and just trusting in the Lord that he knows what he's doing and that he's going to do what he wants to do. That's right. And and the authority from God to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say that I love what you just said too, Laura. If we present the true gospel of Jesus, you know, he'll be so attractive that he will draw all men to himself. Right. Now, that's something we should be looking forward to. Right. Right. Because what does it say in the Bible? It says, the love of God brings us to a place of repentance. That's right. 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 You know? Yeah, people are so hungry for truth, you know? Mm -hmm. As we keep moving forward in this new era, God will draw the ones that are thirsty for his living water, his truth, and we will see everything start to change. Mm -hmm. That's the part we got to start looking forward to. Right, right. You know, I'm so thankful that God has been... He's been speaking to his prophets, encouraging and giving us revelation for what he's doing. He is with us, and he will lead us to victory. All right, so I want to talk about the ite and the principality that's at the top of the mountain of education. I think Laura and Susan both have already mentioned them, but before I do that, I want to review who the ites are. 
We have the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of ites. Mm-hmm. You know, for the mountain of media, the ite is the Hittites. And for the mountain of government, the ite is the Girgashites. And for the mountain of education, the ite is the Amorites. So in Johnny and Elizabeth in Lowe's book, Rise, or Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains, it says the word Amorite means to say boastfully and represents the enemy's destructive strategy of humanism on the mountain of education. We're going to talk about humanism here in a minute. Mm-hmm. The Amorites were one of the seven nations the Israelites had to conquer in order to obey God and take their promised land. They represent the humanism on the mountain of education that causes us to believe that everything revolves around us and true wisdom is dependence on ourselves. We will also have to conquer the Amorites to take back the mountain of education because that this is our promised land, right? right? We have to take it back from them. Johnny says the Amorites on the mountain of education are humanism and its spinoffs are atheism, liberalism, and rationalism. These isms are all lies that are being sold by a certain principality who sits at the top of the mountain and commands his Amorite army. All effective lies carry a significant portion of truth. Right. Mm-hmm. So Satan's illegal principality at the top of this mountain is Beelzebub. His name means Lord of the Flies. We know that flies are attracted to stinky, rotted food. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Humanism, along with rationalism, agnosticism, and atheism, are similarly rotten and poisonous to us in society as well. The demonic strategy was and still is the same to tempt us to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which opens up to all those ideas that sound intellectually appealing, but their end is death to everything good. Right. So humanism can be defined as an approach to life based on reason and our common humanity, recognizing that moral values are properly founded on human nature and experience alone. And Johnny says that the face of the enemy in education is humanism, but beneath that is fear and fear leads to humanism. God values dependent effort, but humanism esteems it independent effort. Humanism looks like pride, but beneath the pride is again a core of fear. That fear instructs us that since we are alone, we had better prop ourselves up with at least a show of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. The enemy will use whatever education system we have in place, whether it's Christian or not, to enslave the next generation of God's sons and daughters to fear. Fear has many ways that it touches students from anxiety over being accepted to the fear of failure. And where fear is, there is no experience of love. And where there is no love, there is no wisdom, which is learning and applying what we learn what we learn to our future. Fear leaves you in survival mode with no energy left to discover things like your dreams and passions that can help change the world. Right? That's what the enemy wants. He doesn't yes. want us, and, you you know, know, want us to do what we're created. Right. And I just, I know, because I worked in youth ministry for 24 years. Right. And I worked with a lot of seniors, and they were so, especially juniors, seemed right. like they were even more stressed their junior year than yes. their senior year. Right. And they were so stressed out all the time. So much pressure. Yeah. And they had no time, like I did when I was a kid, even my, you know, high school years, I had time to just go hang out and do things. And right. Like still play, you know, like right. when you're a kid, you go out and play. You have fun. But even kids these days don't have time to go out and play or they're, they're right. in sports. And so it's very, it's a very driven life. You're constantly going and doing and moving and you're never really uh, at rest, not, which is kids. what God calls us to do is to have times, long periods of rest. Right. Because our brain is rejuvenated by the Lord when we spend time, restful times with him. Yes. 
you know, like we talked about, I love to be outside in nature and all. It rejuvenates me. Right. And when I don't get to do that, and my soul is hungry for it, yeah. you know, yeah. right. I need it. And God knows that. And that's why, you know, he created us this way. And right. But when we follow the world system, it's a driving spirit. Go, right. go, 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 right. go. And you never stop. Right. And when you do stop, you're probably playing video games, which is always still. Escapism. Making, yeah. And it's buzzing your brain all the time. You're still not resting. Right. Right. It's not resting. You're still not giving that fresh the freshness that you need, the rest that you need. Right. Rejuvenation. Right. right. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. You know, where there's no wisdom, no one is really being educated beyond simply memorizing facts. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Right. So here is Beelzebub's strategy to prevent the face of God as teacher from being restored to society, to prevent humanity from having access to the truth of how God loves us through the way he instructs us in wisdom, to prevent people from knowing that true wisdom is dependence on God and not on yourself. Mm-hmm. And to prevent people from experiencing a healed perspective of the goodness of God through the mountain of education, which was ultimately meant to assure us of our importance. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and here are God's truths, his truths that counteract Beelzebub's lies. There is a God. That's the first one. Right. He is active, very active in the affairs of men. Yep. He has definite standards of moral conduct, mm-hmm. and you must choose to embrace him or you'll feel his wrath. Right. Right. So there are consequences. There are consequences to everything we do, good and bad. Mm-hmm. When you do good stuff, you get good. You, know, there's con- you get rewards and you get blessed. Right. Exactly. So Johnny says, when the righteous rule on this mountain, the first line of learning they will release will be instruction in righteousness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's scripture on that somewhere. Mm-hmm. And wisdom is the goal of education, right? There can be no true wisdom that does not begin with the proper fear of the Lord. And that fear will burn up Beelzebub's lies. Right. So Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, beginning of wisdom. There it is. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. A scripture somewhere. Yeah, yeah it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you write your notes, you just forget. <laughs> so the archangel that fights on the mountain of education is Raziel, and his name means secret or secrets of God. And his name reveals his assignment, which is to assist the image of God in the, in the earth as teacher. Raziel and his host of angel armies serve the Lord of hosts by helping the sons and daughters of God who are called to impact the mountain of education. They carry scrolls of wisdom. I like this. Hmm. Uh, They carry scrolls of wisdom from heaven and are focused on our mission to replace the humanistic thought with education that produces people who are ultimately dependent on God. Raziel fights with us to overcome the demonic realm through God's ever advancing kingdom. Wow, it's so cool. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. And again, I want to mention again that Johnny and Elizabeth and Lowe go into great depth in their book, Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains, about each archangel that's assigned to each mountain. So if you're curious about this, we encourage you to read the book. Right. Yeah, I haven't, I didn't hear of that archangel. Yeah, we never knew about all that, but Johnny's done a lot of research and stuff. And so we're taking this information from his book. Right. And he can explain it way better. Definitely pick up the book and and read it. Right. It's good. It's got Mm -hmm. some really good information in there. So the color of the rainbow that's connected to the mountain of education is indigo or dark blue. So in the rainbow, this deep blue indigo transitions into the last color, which is violet, which connects to government, right? Education should connect to government, right? right? Mm -hmm. So Revelation 5 gives us our ultimate assignment, which is we shall reign on the earth. So the understanding is that the deep blue is advancing us so much in the knowledge of God's ways that we are being positioned to receive the government of God on earth. Mm -hmm. Deep blue is about insight, wisdom, and revelation, and it's a core aspect of who God is as teacher. It's good. Yeah, so the big lie about God on the mountain of education is true wisdom is self-dependence. 
This is often exalted as an ideal, but the reality is that it is evidence of an orphan spirit. Man, that just resonates. It is really good. Uh, yeah. So the enemy hates God so much that he wants us alienated from our father. Right. Right. So you hear that because that is a true statement. Mm-hmm. He hates God so much that he wants us to be alienated from him. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when we're close to the father, we feel loved, accepted. Right. Everything is good, but right. when we feel alienated, we we are separated, right, rejected, right, not loved, right, all the, the opposite of what mm-hmm. we're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. So, how this lie plays out in our culture is when we believe we're the only ones we could truly count on. The loneliness is profound, right? Yes, and what begins as a theory then becomes our reality, right? So we then spend every spare moment and dollar trying to fill the distance we need. From God, who we were never made to go through life without. Right? right. We should never feel alone because God's always there. He's always with us. You know, you, you think about so many people that are, you know, educational. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to say uh, educational addict. But, you know, they've, they've got all these degrees and they've gone so far in education, yet they still feel empty. Right. You know, and it's because... It's that same thing Johnny said. It's an orphaned spirit that's right. been driven into them yes. by the educational system. I've got to learn more. I'll know more. If I know more, then I'll just get to this pinnacle point in my life and I'll know it all. Right. No, <laughs> you won't. Right. You know, and, it, and again, it's it, that God says, if you humble yourself before him, he will right. lift you up. And we've got to remember, too, that God loves us where we are, no matter what. When we're at the top of our game, he loves us mm-hmm. just as much as when we were at, down at the bottom right. and we're learning. You know, he, he just he, yeah. he celebrates with us in every victory. Mm-hmm. He's sad when we fail, but he wants us to get back up and, and keep moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. right? So it's that whole orphan spirit that we've got to get away from because God doesn't want us to feel that way. Mm-hmm. We're loved. Mm-hmm. We're accepted as we are right now, mm-hmm. you know? No Unconditionally. Unconditionally. There's nothing we can do. Right. And we don't have to strive us. and strive. Right. We get the love just by being with him. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's so good. All right, so the big truth about God on the mountain of education is true wisdom is dependence on God. We right. need him. We need him because he can see things that we cannot, mm-hmm. right? He is our provider in every way. And it's evident that it's difficult to trust God because we can't see him in the natural, but it is possible through faith, right? right? Yes. It's a heart skill that could take a lifetime to grow in, right? We're all still learning. Right, oh yeah. Of and course. Jesus mastered this concept of dependence on his father moment by moment. Right. You know, he looked to God as the source for everything he needed to know, and we should do the same. You know, you think about that because Jesus was fully a human being. Right. And he constantly went before the Lord to go seek out his father right. in prayer right. before everybody was even up. Personal, one-on-one, intimate time with right. him. Right. And we follow that example. Yes. We need to do that and just spend time with the Lord. It, he gives you the the whole agenda for the day. Right. And he gives you peace for the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. And when you've got that, when you've got that intimacy with God, when you talk about day to day, because that's what we try to do. Mm-hmm. I try to do it day by day. Right. Because there's some things that are coming up that, that God sees that we may not see. Right. Decisions that we have to make, things that are happening. And, and God just, if you have that intimacy with him, mm-hmm. he's going to show it to you. Right. He's going to help you make the right decision when those things come up before you, because mm-hmm. you've got him right there. He's right there mm-hmm. inside of you. It's your equipping for the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, you're being influenced by the opposite, which is the enemy, and you're going to make bad choices. And we can fall really fast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we all can, you know, attest to that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Testify. (laughs) Right. So God wants to assure each one of us of our importance to him. 
He values each one of us and has given us an assignment in life. And when we are dependent on him, we are able to access his solutions for the problems in society. Man, don't we need that right now. And finally, in order to partner with God as teacher on the mountain of education, we must truly know God as teacher ourselves. Again, learn to reflect who he is as teacher personally, and then connect it to the way we instruct others and influence our education system, right? Mm -hmm. We must become experts on this aspect of God's love and then give it away to all who are influenced by our role on this mountain. If you feel that you're called to the mountain of education, again, pray and ask God to give you his revelation and his instruction on what part you play in taking back this mountain from the principality of Beelzebub. Right. Your primary goal in education should be to connect students to their individual passion and the answers to the problems of that area of culture that they are interested in solving. Right. It just so happens that God is the one with those answers. Right. 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 And that's it. That's all we have today. Mm-hmm. I am loving how much each of these mountains are, are, are sinking in with me. You know, God's revealing himself beautifully through each one of these seven mountains of influence. Mm-hmm. And again, if you want to dig in deeper, and we definitely encourage you to do this, you can get both of the books that we mentioned in today's episode. So please join us next week, and we're going to discuss the mountain of economy. Okay. And we just want to close with this scripture from Psalm 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Okay, today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We appreciate all that you do for us, Caitlin. And we want to reference again Johnny Enlow's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, and Johnny and Elizabeth Enlow's book, Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. We'd love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3 at gmail.com. All right. And please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us. And mine is susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Until next time, Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Acid. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Electric acid.